Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be with you and to have the privilege to share God's word with you. I, I am so happy to see uh, so many visitors with us. Uh, you are most welcome, as Grace said. Um, so this morning is, is a big day. As, as Charlene told us, it's Pentecost Sunday. It's big, right? On the church's calendar, you have certain days that are big days, certain big um, if you're in a mainstream church, they would call it liturgical days. And those are good days to observe because it reminds us of something of a you know, something of a rhythm of spirituality that keeps us connected to, to what God has done um, with people. And so just connecting heaven and earth. And so, so it kind of also orientates us. And so as we come to the word today in the book of Acts, Steve spoke last week. And uh, he spoke about the Ascension Day. So can you remember uh, Ascension Day this year fell on the 26th of May, right? That was that Thursday. And so we used to have holiday. We don't have holiday anymore. But we still observe the day that Jesus Christ rose into heaven after being with his disciples. Um, for how long? For three years he walked with them. 33 years on the face of the earth. And you know, I... I think that sometimes there's, I think someone, um, there's a theologian that speaks about the lullaby effect. Do you know what the lullaby effect is? If you hear something over and over and over again, the significance kind of just escapes you. When you hear it for the umpteenth time, it just becomes the most usual thing. So people say, Jesus walked amongst us and he lived on the earth for 33 years and that just like goes, and we think, you know, I mean, we've been hearing that since we like from zero to 13 or whatever. You know, as they said, we heard it for so long that we don't realize that in the person of Jesus Christ, God presents himself with his people. Like, wait a minute, maybe you didn't hear that. Um, maybe you didn't hear what I just said. <laughs> in the person of Jesus Christ, God himself. The creator of the universe. The creator of everything that we have and see. The our creator presents himself with his creation and walked amongst us. I mean, if that doesn't literally blow your mind, then I don't know, very few things will, right? Because, come on people, God himself, the person who made us, the person who created, uh, I mean, the, the God who created the universe, everything we see. So it's great to have Tony with us because when I say God, the creator of the universe, and I look at Tony and Petri and I think about all the conversations we've had and we think about how great it is that we live on planet Earth in a place where we can survive and God has created all of this. But I digress. So um, I must be careful of this. So ascension... Jesus Christ comes to the point where he, he was crucified, Good Friday, we observed Easter Sunday, he rose from the grave, and how long after Easter Sunday does he ascend into heaven? 40 days. 40 days, and the scripture tells us in the portion that Steve shared last week, what was Jesus doing in the time, because it's not as if he, he lived, he died, he was crucified on the cross, and then he left. 
right? 40 days is a significant amount of time. What was Jesus doing for 40 days? You can read it. It's, it says that um, in, chapter, in chapter 1, verse, um, verse 3, it says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. With, with his final days on earth, with his disciples, with whom he's been kind of walking every day, trying to really impact their lives, Jesus teaches them probably about the most significant fundamental concept when it comes to the people, the church. He teaches them about the kingdom of God. And I think that is very significant that Jesus chooses to speak about this concept of the kingdom of God. So, so what is this kingdom of God? That should be the next natural question is, what is the kingdom of God? And we'll unpack that as we go through um, our time this morning. But I think today, from Acts chapter 1, verse 12 to 26, you can follow with me in your Bibles. I'll read and... And we'll have a look at that portion and a little bit into chapter 2 um, later on. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akal Dama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted, let there, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was alive amongst us. Beginning with John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, from, for one of these must, have, must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. And so he was added to the 11, the 11 apostles. 
we find the disciples in a very interesting place. So Jesus walked with them for three years, died, was resurrected, 40 days later ascends. And we find them in verse in verse 10, the Bible says they were standing there when Jesus was taken up into the clouds. And what were they doing? They were looking intently into the sky. They were staring into the sky. And two men appeared and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? The same Jesus who you see leaving will come and return on the clouds in the same way he has left. As if to say, there's work to be done. Why do you stand here looking up? Don't you remember what Jesus taught you? He spoke about the kingdom. And so, and so we, we see what happens next is that in verse 12, they walk to Jerusalem the Mount, um, from the Mount of Olives and they wait in obedience. They were told by Jesus to wait for the gift of the Father, for the promised Holy Spirit. And they go to Jerusalem and they wait. I think this is very significant because if you think about it, they had been with Jesus, right? First, first they started out not understanding who Jesus was. He started performing signs and miracles, and then they started to understand. And then even at one point, he had to ask them, who do you say that I am? Who do you say the Son of Man is? And then they said, some say you are Elisha, some say you are John the, uh, John the Baptist. And then, and then, he says to them, Simon Peter was the one who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. They start to, it starts to dawn on them who this person is that they are following. And so, I find it interesting that they were with Jesus, the Holy Spirit had not yet come, they're waiting in Jerusalem, it's almost as if they are in this like transition period where something's about to happen because God promised to be with them. But Jesus had now left. And the Holy Spirit had not yet come. And so they're waiting. But what are they doing while they were waiting? It says, the, the Word of God says that they spent the days in Jerusalem praying together, continually praying together in the upper room. People, that is so significant for us as a church. When we before we launch out, we hear that we need to launch out and then where does our strength come from? What is the source of our strength? If not by the Holy Spirit of God himself. We cannot just in our own strength go and run alphas in the prison or go and visit uh, people in, uh, babies in the orphanage or, or do alphas wherever. Not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord. And so, I think it's also important for us to remember that while they were waiting, that there was another drama being played out, right? Let us not forget about their context where they found themselves. Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God, but they were living in the presence of the kingdom of empire. These disciples were living in the presence of the Roman Empire that was oppressive, that was extracting resources from them. The only value that these people had in that time was how much taxes they could pay to the Roman Empire. But here comes Jesus and he says that there's a different reality, there's a different kingdom. 
is the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdom of empire. And so, when Jesus does this, I think sometimes we don't really realize that in the Roman Empire, with Caesar being seen as God and almost people worshipping Caesar, for someone to come along and to proclaim another kingdom was, was quite subversive. You took your life into your own hands when you went against the grain of the time, the political power, and you spoke of another person who is an authority. And sometimes, you know, we, what we do is we personalize um, the work of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, but we don't realize that we also live in a very real context. And so even today, when we think about the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdom of empire, throughout the Bible, the, the, in the Old Testament, we see empire. Where do we first see empire? In Egypt. Remember Egypt? Where the Israelites only had value in how many bricks they could produce? That was empire, exploitative empire. And God comes and God brings in. He calls them to be a kingdom of priests. He, he, he delivers them from empire. And even today, I want to tell us that we mustn't be, we mustn't be unaware that, that there's there's empire as well. Empire rearing its head that says our only worth is found in how much we earn. Our only worth is found in how much we can accumulate to ourselves in this world. That our value as people is bound up in, in what? In our status, in our bank accounts. But I want to tell us that we must not be deceived by this message of empire. Jesus comes and speaks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And so what we see is that the kingdom of God clashes head on with the kingdom of empire. And it is no different today. And so the first challenge that I'd like to kind of put before us, Wellspring Community Church, is that Which empire are we most aligned with? Or which, which kingdom are we most aligned with? Sorry, I misspeak. Which kingdom are we most aligned with? Are we more aligned with the kingdom of God? Or are we more aligned with the kingdom of empire? So there's a Jewish teaching that says that the kingdom of God comes when three elements coincide. Number one, the finger of God moves. The hand of God moves. We see evidence of God moving in our reality. Number two, the people call him Lord. The people worship Jesus Christ as Lord. Someone, I don't know if it's Steve or maybe Shane, preached that as believers sometimes it's so easy or as people it's so easy to want to call Jesus our Savior. We want to, we want to go to heaven, right? Everyone wants that. Who would not want that? It's, we want to call Jesus our Savior, but, but we, we need to take a step further in commitment and we need to say that He is our Lord. He is Lord of our lives. And that is something that calls more from us. That's something that calls more from us in our day to day. And then the third thing that needs to happen or coincide is that the people need to respond in obedience. 
But people need to walk in obedience. When we see the hand of God, when we see the finger of God, or we see the, someone called it the fingerprint of God, when we look in our communities, when we look in our workplaces, when we look in society, do we see the finger of God? Do we discern that God is working? God is working, people. God is active in our spaces. But do we have the eyes to discern the hand of God in our spaces? Once we see the hand of God moves, and so that's almost a, a given, right? God is working. God is active in our spaces. Is God active in my community in Plumstead? Definitely. Is God active in, your in this community of Lansdowne? Most definitely. So at least that the, the other two um, elements, right, for us to, to, to call ourselves to, are we calling him Lord? And I don't know where you are in your walk with God today. Maybe, maybe we've made that decision a long time ago, or maybe recently that we say, Jesus is my Savior. And maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you haven't even come to that point. And I, I want to say that definitely you are most welcome here at Wellspring because, because here it's a space where we can just get to know each other and build relationship and, and orientate ourselves to the person of Jesus Christ. But the challenge still goes out. Are we calling him Lord? And are we responding in obedience? We see the disciples in this portion, they go to Jerusalem. They could have said, well, Jesus is gone. We don't know this Holy Spirit that he speaks of. He's not here. We don't know what's happening. But they go to Jerusalem and they spend their time in prayer. And they wait. And so today is Pentecost Sunday. Maybe to back up a bit, if we, if we reflect on kingdom. When the kingdom of God comes, what do we see? When we see the reign of God in our, in, our, in our concrete reality, what do we see? What is it that we see? We see shalom. We see justice. We see peace. We see relationships restored in the way that God intended for relationships to be. When we look around and we see empire, we see distorted relationships we see relationships that don't honor God and so and so the relationships that I speak of are our relationship with God our relationship with ourselves how do we see ourselves our relationship with other people our relationship with the environment and so today we celebrate Pentecost Sunday I'm going to ask Sia to come up and read uh, chapter 2 as we move on. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Yeah. So, so Pentecost, one of the questions that came up in Life Group on Wednesday was that 
If ascension happened 40 days after um, uh, Easter, then Pentecost, 50 days. And so that means the disciples were praying for 10 days, waiting on Jesus. And I found out something very interesting that the, the Feast of Pentecost, or the Day of Pentecost, as Charlene said, that people were celebrating Pentecost for years and years and years, but this particular one was different. And what was the celebration all about? And it stems from the time that the Israelites left Egypt. And, and so Pentecost or was known as the Feast of Weeks, or in the Jewish or in Hebrew it was called Shavuot. Um, and, and what happens during those times? The, they celebrate the first fruits, starting with praising God for His goodness, for what God has done. Their, their crops are bountiful. They celebrate, the, it's also called the Feast of Weeks, so they celebrate every week um, the harvest. And so they first celebrate the body, the, the body harvest, and they end up on this 50th day celebrating the, the wheat harvest. And what do they do? They bring their first fruits into the temple. And so they celebrate the provision and the goodness of God. It is also the day that... It is also the day in the Old Testament that, that the Israelites received um, the law of God at Mount Sinai with Moses. And so that is also celebrated. And so the way that this is celebrated is that normally um, in the Jewish household there's good food, good company, and a celebration of the generosity and goodness of God. There's hospitality, everyone is welcome, you can come inside and you can just enjoy the celebration. And Jewish families stay up all night and study the Torah. What is the Torah? The Torah are the first five books of the Bible. And so, and so there's this celebration and this is what is happening, this is what is happening at the time in Jerusalem when, when this particular Pentecost Sunday happens. And as we read on the account in, in Exodus at, the, at Mount Sinai, we see that God's presence appeared like fire on the mountain. In Acts chapter 2, we are told that when the Holy Spirit comes, came down, there were, there were flames, tons of, of flames on, the, on those who were present as they received the Holy Spirit. And so there's a dynamic that we need to be aware of as a church is that the New Testament doesn't just appear out of nowhere. It's grounded in the Old Testament. So when we speak about the Kingdom of God, when we speak about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, it's grounded in, in the Old Testament. I just want to read a portion of scripture from Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19, it says, verse 9 and 10. So because this was a feast of the harvest, Listen to what the heart of God is. They celebrate the goodness and the generosity of God. Listen to the heart of God in the way that he instructs his people. He says, God says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner I am the Lord your God. So guys, I'm coming to the end of this. Let us not lose focus now because here is something. There's a kernel of something for us to take into our daily lives. 
when God speaks his heart for his people and he tells them how to live their lives, they may have, they have fields of wheat and fields of barley to feed their families. He says, be careful that you don't harvest your entire field. Leave the edges of your field for who? Don't pick up those things that have fallen. Leave it for the poor and the widow and the vulnerable. Do we see the heart of God? Pentecost is not for us to celebrate and feel good in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm. Do you get what I'm saying? Pentecost is for us to understand that the kingdom of God comes and gives us a new way of looking at our reality, at our lives. That all of what we work so hard, Monday to Friday, some of us Monday to Saturday, all of that we work for in the week that God has given us strength for, don't, don't harvest to the edge of your field. I feel like there's a message in there for us. I feel like there's a message in there for us as the people of God. We feel like, no, this is mine. I have worked for it. And so no one deserves this except me. But the word of God comes and he reminds us on this Pentecost Sunday a story that um, in Jewish households is often read over this time. It's the story of Ruth. And the story of Ruth, remember, remember Ruth and Naomi? Naomi and her husband go to Moab. They start a, a family there. And what happens? A tragedy her husband dies, her sons die, and their wives are left alone. And, and, and Naomi needs to go back to Israel. And, 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 and she says to her daughters-in-law, go to your homes because I cannot provide for you. I don't have sons. If you come to, to where I am, you will be a foreigner. You will be marginalized. I cannot provide for you. Go home. I release you. Orpah decides to go home, but Ruth Ruth decides to stay. And Ruth says, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And a beautiful story unfolds when they are so poor that they need to go and glean in the fields of the richer people in the area. And which field does Ruth choose to go and glean in? She gleans in the field of Boaz. And Boaz is a man who, whose, whose heart is for God. And he understands that he's not to glean to the edge of his field. And he, he discovers Ruth and she's beautiful and he loves her and her love story unfolds. And what happens? He's generous towards her. And he doesn't just take her to be a concubine, but he marries her and he brings her in. He marries a foreigner and he brings her in. And you know that Ruth ends up being the grandmother of David? In the line of Jesus? It's like, what is happening? What is it? Who is this God that we serve who, who does things like this? Who's so radically generous? Who is so radically hospitable? Surely that calls us to be radically generous and radically hospitable on this Pentecost Sunday. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples speak in tongues. 
with different languages and we are told that Jews from 70 nations are visiting and for this feast of Shavuot and each of them heard the disciples speaking in their own language and they were all invited they were all invited and they and 3,000 come to faith in Christ that day do you see the generosity do you see the hospitality of this great God that we serve this is the kingdom in action what, is it, what does the kingdom look like in our communities? What does the kingdom look like in our schools, in our workplaces, in our spheres of influence? Pentecost is about harvest. Do we see the harvest when 3,000 souls are won to the kingdom of God? Pentecost is about harvest. It is about generosity. It is about hospitality. To center ourselves in God's blessing and to say God oh I'm saved and and God you bless me I, I love you because you bless me and you I look around and I look at my my possessions and I say God God is blessing me to center myself and to keep all that I've worked for for myself to think I earned this is to miss the message of Pentecost And not only the message of this day, but the very heart of the message of Jesus about the kingdom of God. Wellspring, may we be found to be a community which reflects this radical generosity and hospitality of our God. And may we reap an abundant harvest in Portsmouth Prison, in Lansdowne, in that, in that restaurant where we get to have the Alpha in our ministries, in the pastoral care ministries, in each ministry that we're going to not for the glory of wellspring, but for the glory of the God of the harvest. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we, we thank you for the joy of this day. Thank you for Pentecost. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who was given to the church, Father God. Thank you for the birth of the church. And Father, Lord, I pray that that each one of us who is sitting there help us not to only think of our salvation in, in individualistic terms, but help us to look that we've been called into a community, a community which is generous and hospitable and is called to the harvest. Father, may we step up and glorify your name in our time and in our place. In Jesus' name, amen.